This week on Developer Weekly. Yes, it's a habit, and and to just enforce the habit in the beginning, I used to do a very simple trick that I wake up and I am not gonna to clean my teeth till I finish my blog post and publish it. Welcome to another episode of Developer Weekly. This week, I'm talking with Pinal Dave about SQL performance and more. He's a SQL Server performance tuning expert and an independent consultant. He has authored 12 SQL Server database books, 34 Pluralsight courses, and has written over 5,100 articles on the database technology on his blog at blog.sqlauthority.com. 5,100 articles on your blog. That is a lot. And when I look at your blog, I see that you post every day. Can you tell me about that? I'm glad to talk to you, Betty, and everybody who is listening. (laughs) And um, I think I've been um, talking one thing every single day for over 13 years, and that's why it's a 1500. Yeah, it's uh, wake up in the morning and write one thing a day. That was I used to do once. And then time get changed, and... um, I still think I'm so addicted to it. I think every single day when I write blog posts, I'm still still have the same kind of um, uh, feeling and same kind of motivation. So yeah, I'm happy with that, and I think um, I'm ha- because I'm happy. I'm gonna to continue uh, sharing one thing a day. Right, that that is excellent. And then uh, so you made it a habit of yourself to actually do this every day. Yes, it's a habit, and and to just enforce the habit in the beginning. I used to do a very simple trick that I wake up and I am not going to clean my teeth till I finish my blog post and publish. I did it for a almost four to six years, the same method. That way I wake up. But then even everybody gets old and you feel like you want to be disciplined. Nowadays, I made a different role that I won't go to sleep if I don't finish the blog post for the next day morning. And I think that has been better for me. While my wife and daughter sometimes are angry with that, but I think I'm going to stick to this new routine from five, six years now. Wow, that is, uh, that's amazing. That's also a lot of pressure on yourself to actually do this every day. Doesn't that get, uh, get tiresome? Uh, it gets tiresome. It gets actually, um, it gets only tiresome when I have to do things which is not related to SQL so, or, or, or technology. Mm. So I'll give you a simplest example. Just 10 minutes ago, before this call, I was trying to juggle with a email forwarding thing on my uh, blog. Um, and there was my hosting. I was just trying to fix that part. And that was being extremely frustrated. Everything is right. Create a ticket. They're going to investigate, going to ask you five questions. Uh, due to security reason, they can't fix it. They give me things to do. I apply it. Thing still doesn't work, ticket got resolved, open it again, still working on it. So, yeah, those things get very tired and they comes as um, part of the package. And um, also, it's frustrating. People have no idea what it takes to do the blogging, podcasting, or something every day. They just think you go and write. But those are the easy stuff. I would do that every day. If I don't have other (laughs) things, sir... I would be writing 10 blog posts a day, but the ninth thing which I do, which takes little more time than writing actual blog posts, and that sometimes gets tiresome. And, and then do you sometimes batch your blog posts that you say, well, I've got a little bit more time on Monday, let's say, and I'll just create five for the rest of the week? 
I've, I, I used to do once upon a time when I was so disciplined, but I think um, a 10 year old kid and um, uh, it's just getting a little different every day. The, I, mm. There was a time when I used to see my kid and she was a very young girl. And I was just like, oh yeah, she's a young girl. She's going to sit next to you and let you do things. But now she has a question. <laughs> she wants to know about the world. And you just feel like, yeah, you know what? Let me just do bare minimum thing. And I would get to it tomorrow. Let me just uh, talk to her. Let me just help my wife to do household chores. And sometimes it's just consulting work. So I used to batch once upon a time. But I think I also learned how to balance my life and along with it. And I think I'm no more, I'm just doing one thing a day. So yeah, that way. I haven't missed a single day in my 13 years. That is just amazing. Yeah. And, and that takes time to find a good balance and rhythm for your own life and for work in your life. So do you work from home most of the time? Uh, most of the time I work from home. I Once upon a time, which is a six month ago, I used to travel a lot. But now, as you know, we are all home. So working from home continuously. Mm. But always um, from last nine years, been working from home. And, and then, so this approach to your blog has obviously uh, brought you lots of success. Yes. For instance, on your blog, I can see uh, you have a, a page there called uh, slash stats. And there you can see stats that those are actually a bit older from March 2016. Yes, and then the yeah. traffic in March there has increased to almost 1.8 million views. That's in a month, isn't it? That's how great. is it now? Uh, I think it's it has gone a little bit down. Um, yeah, it was up after that also. But it has gone down in a recent time, and that the reason is a very, very simple. I think people has a different way of. Uh, it's still. Uh, run, oh, by the way, it's still doing a, more than a million a mo month still. But I think it has not grown wow. exponentially the way it used to grow. And I'm not mad with that because if I look at it, I'm also putting my efforts at multiple places, multiple um, venues, mediums, and things, and so do people. I mean, yeah, I look at it this way. 12, 10 years ago, there was not a good hosting platform out there. And now we mm. have so much social media. Gmail was infant stage at the time. There was no WhatsApp, no FaceTime. Attention span was huge. There was YouTube in a <laughs> absolutely infancy. And this is 10 years ago I'm talking. And I, this is blog started 14 years ago. So um, 13, 14 years ago. So I think I would say... Um, time change and people now consume things different ways. And one of them is video, one of them is audio. And and I and that's where I'm going also. So along with the, over a 1 million user on a blog, I think there is a YouTube channel and then we have a plural site videos and things. So yeah, overall, I'm, I'm still happy. Yeah, it's a lot of people, you know. 1 million people are, is a lot of people that you reach with that. Yes. Uh, but you're right, yeah. You know, there are so many blogs now and, and everybody can just uh, spin so up a, a WordPress site or something and just create right. a blog and write write something. So Correct. the internet is absolutely full of content. So it's very difficult to stand out in this uh, day of age. And and also there is a one more challenge which I'm facing every day is um, because there is a so much good content out there as well as equally number of the bad content. Now, hmm. um, we want to say, yeah, search engines are smart and always do the right content out. But that's not true. People just want shortcut. So if you are on a shorter path, which people want, I think you would get success. So that, um, that also uh, places a lot of challenge because sometimes you show the right thing, but right thing is longer. 
tiring, expensive in terms of efforts. And people were like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this smaller one. And you don't have that smaller route. Now, you can show the smaller route, but you know that's not right because you are also getting wiser and smarter. So I think yeah. that is also working um, against uh, the people who are a little bit, um, uh, I would say, experienced in the area. So I compare myself with the 13 years ago, what I used to write. I, I think um, I change a lot also that way. Yeah, yeah. The content uh, changes as well. And I see that you also share uh, different things on your blog as well. It's not just only SQL stuff, right? Um, I, I try to stay SQL uh, um, over 90% uh, of the stuff, but I, I'm not shy to share things which is little goes out of the SQL as well. And I think people like to learn things. Like recently I wrote about how when you update uh, Windows uh, and your Bluetooth, will uh, Bluetooth will be not controlled by your volume uh, button and yeah. you just have to go and change the registration registry for that. Now, this little thing like that, I never thought about it. But then when I needed it three, four times, I wrote a blog post about it. And you would not believe that blog post is still in my top 10 blog posts till today. And, <laughs> wow. so, and that, that makes me wonder, like, are people really installing so many windows or are they attaching so many bluetooth to your windows i have no idea i don't know bluetooth always a problem it yes. still is yes <laughs> even nowadays yeah right. and and that type of stuff is obviously for a broader audience than sql because sql although it's popular it's still a niche topic it is still a, yeah. a set of people that use it yeah correct so but i try to stay less than four um big uh, for a month i meant um, I still want to give a lot of content to SQL because there are the loyal people, the loyal readers there. And I also mm -hmm. spend most of my time with the SQL. So I think I have more ideas about SQL. But if I see something out, which is just um, really, really annoying, but it easily can be fixed or I'm going to use it in future, that's the whole blog is all about, a bookmark. Right. Yeah. I use it uh, sometimes as well, as in I Google something about SQL because I really, I use SQL, but I'm far from an expert. And then usually I, I end up at your blog because there's the answer. Thank you. <laughs> Which Thank is great. You. No, I like it. Yes, sir. It's, it's a good point. And again, this is just a bookmark. I just write it. And if uh, like a lot of time people say, do you think anybody's going to read it? I said, oh, I may read it sometime because it's just what I needed once. I may need it second time. I just don't want yeah. to search about it. I'd rather go on my own blog. I know what to, how to solve things. So yeah, that was the whole motivation behind my blog. <laughs> that, that is a great motivation. And that's probably uh, what can keep you going a long time. That's and then, so these strategies for your blog, you wrote those down also in a book called Secret Toolbox of Successful Bloggers, right? Yes, I did write it down there, but the, you may find it so funny that people want a shortcut even on a top of it. Like people say, can I get a 13-year success in a one year? And I sometimes get speechless. Like, <laughs> um, so don't measure the time. I said, all right, think about this way. In a 13, 10 years, I had a 3,000 plus uh, good quality blog post. Can you generate the same content in a one year? Then I think you are on a faster route. But um, yeah. I think there is a no shortcut, certain, certain natural organic growth is always going to be uh, a winning over a lot of uh, shortcuts or, or a lot of the um, uh, tricks people use it. So I think my blog had an organic growth and that uh, secrets I shared in the book, like, you know, how I used um, um, social media, why I didn't go too much on a LinkedIn initially, 
But now I depend on a LinkedIn. There is a reason behind it. Where do I get image? Why I don't? Um, why I don't try to even pirate or I don't do um, we call plagiarize some on an image. I, I pay for them. There are reasons behind it and how they put you above other people. Because if you take the image which is used somewhere else, first of all, that's a copyright violation. Let's not talk about the legal part. But think about mm -hmm. that. If somebody ten people has already used that image, so somebody, how why would Google put you? Or a Bing puts you on a top of other people if somebody has used that image first. They're always going to yeah. find for the original creator and going to surface that. So those kind of little tricks I've included in those books. Ah, that, th those are little gems. Uh, very, very useful. Absolutely. Right. Especially for nowadays, everybody is a content creator and uh, would love to uh, become viral on the internet, which is a very hard thing to do nowadays because it's so busy on the internet. It is so busy on the internet, and and I think domain names are also confusing to us. Like I, sometimes yeah. I get um, I, I I get trouble uh, going on my own uh, blog URL because it's always there. I know how to go by a uh, by bookmarks, but if sometimes I type it, and if I instead of L, I pick up a semicomma or K, I end up on a mm. very similar blog post of somebody else, and and I sometimes surprises me. Like oh yeah, people even yeah. go for. Um, SQL or SQK authority, why would you go and do that? But, you know, I think uh, this is just an example. But there are there are uh, people change one later, two later, and there is uh, so much content similar out there. Yeah, it is, uh, it is nuts. And I think nowadays also uh, content is uh, being copied over, like from yes. your blog or something, or it is Every being uh, created uh, by machine learning or automated bots or something, which is just... Not good content, at least not yet. Right. And, and, uh, it's just, just clickbait, really. Yes, and I think one of the things which annoys me is that people, what they do is that they just um, take your blog post and they just put, um, because so they don't get punished by search engine, they would just change few part of it. And this really makes me angry because if, if you're going to remove my name, that's okay. But just don't provide a garbage to the people. I mean, like, yeah. like, like yeah. sometimes... Um, they remove the script part of it so that becomes their blog post or they sometimes in, insert some gibberish from other blog post in middle so they think the search engine would not know and now that entire blog post is useless. I sometimes tell people, I say, if you're going to copy it, copy word by word, take image, let's just be kind to the at least reader. You're not kind to me, which I already get that, but let's be kind to the person who is consumer. Yeah, absolutely. So if you are listening and your company copying blog posts, stop it right now. <laughs> so you use uh, the blog, obviously, for getting people to uh, to the right answers, but you also use it to drive people to your consulting business, right? Yes, and actually that is a, that, that's what I talked about when I, when I said natural organic growth. And this is not a growth of a blog. This is a growth of a human, actually, and that's me and my family. So you are right. I, I drive. Um, uh, let me just give you a two-minute rundown of the blog's career, right? Not mine, but blog's. And then I'll just say, talk mm -hmm. about me. When I started, it was just a bookmark. I just wanted to put things together, which people can just go and use it. Myself first, and then other people in my around me. Very soon, I realized a lot of people started to come and said, "Would you? can we write a case post on your site? I was not so smart. I allowed some people in the beginning and very quickly realized everybody wants to insert their own link in it. And that mm. that's when I learned. I removed them and I understood. It's all about advertising. So blog, I, um, I do have some advertisers on a blog as well. 
um, and that helps uh, business. That runs help the cost of the running the blog. Many people would not know how much I pay for a bandwidth, emails, and lot of things. There are so much hidden expenses from buying the right images, getting things done, HTML, CSS, and right theme and and plugins and it's so that advertise space for the blog sustainability and then i thought okay so now i don't have to pay anything for the blog what can i use it for but i think very quickly people started to come to me said yeah uh, pinal this is the problem i we found on your blog now we have even deeper problem um we think you can solve it because you solved the first part of it and that's how hmm. um the people started to reach out to me and at point i just believed i said you know what if this is um really gonna to support me and my family i should openly just go out and say yeah hire me on a blog which i did it i put a image on it lot of people gave me a negative comment on it said oh you should not be looking out for work i said yeah, yeah i get that but i just put i myself honestly out saying you can hire me to solve your problem with a, and uh, and i think one thing led to another one so many emails so many leads and eventually i figured it out the right balance between good customer um and um, uh, and um, just where i just want to work without getting paid and and right balance and and i think this becomes um right now that is my uh, over 60% of the leads comes from my blog um 30% mm-hmm. leads comes from uh, my social contacts uh, from the travels business and and other things and 10% comes from linkedin yeah that that's uh, that's excellent and you should definitely do that uh, hire me put that on uh, on your blog i do that as well and it works people are looking to uh, get into contact with you and with with people that are experts in their technology and they're looking to see what kind of services you provide so i think you're totally right to, to do that and like you said it drives a lot of business as well so it's right. a very good thing i have a question for you instead of you me sharing yeah. it let me just uh, um turn this question to you how is your feeling okay so first thing i will just talk about me i already put a price tag on my blog post and when i put it at um i think i got a lot of uh, pushback from my existing client the previous clients and the new ones also also and and particularly my friends always just comes and say why do you put your price on that don't you want to understand the business don't you want to talk to them don't you want to just get familiar with it and then you just quote your price and i always tell no i want to put a price out now my question to you is that as a friend what do you think about this one do you like people's price out or do you just want to know price uh, once you are sure you want to get engaged with the business Uh, the first part you probably don't like and that's it depends because <laughs> uh, it depends yeah. on the type of services that you provide but when i look at your hire me page you provide very clear and distinct services for instance you provide an on demand 15 minutes consultation service right. which is uh, you know what it's going to be it's 15 minutes it's not going to be more so right. for that type of service i would definitely put a price on it because it's not going to change for you the effort that you put in there it's right. always the same So if you put that on there then people will immediately see what it is and they will probably be driven more to actually do it even if it's a high price because a high price means quality as well if it's something different where you say well I'm going to uh increase the performance of your database and it might take one day it might take seven days then I wouldn't put a price on that because you could put a price on your hourly rate 
but I would never charge an hourly rate. I don't do that anymore. I uh, try to always um, charge uh, a value-based price. So for instance, the tuning the performance of a database of a customer has a certain value. Once you talk to that customer, you find out what that value is. If it's uh, Amazon, let's say, the value of, uh, let's say, uh, a second uh, faster website would m- might be a couple of million, you know? Right. If it's, if it's uh, just a normal website, then it doesn't really matter that much. And maybe the value of your price of your service might just be a couple of thousand. So for Amazon, I would then say, well, you know, guys, I'm going to shave off two seconds of your loading time and you're going to pay me, let's say, five million right now or maybe uh, 5% of whatever you uh, earn more over the uh, year that you're uh, after I've uh, optimized your performance. Something like that. So, very very uh, interesting, very interesting perspective. I think I just need to go back to my notepad and because I set the price like uh, three, four years ago. And um, and, uh, and I think this is the time. Um, this is where we should I should in, uh, reflect on that and, and maybe... Yeah, some kind of change, or if no change, but anyway, this is a good thought process which you gave me. My biggest challenge is that um, when there is no price, um, I get so many email that it's so difficult to figure out who is right and wrong. Yeah, I yeah. was. You open to, uh, the doors yeah. for everybody because people think, well, it might be uh, just a hundred bucks or something to talk to you. Right, where, and that where it's that, probably not. Yeah. Yeah, and that was the biggest challenge. I used to get like hundreds of the email. And um, uh, so uh, there was another model I tried between putting a price. Maybe this is interesting point. Um, I put a price that if you are interested to hire me, you can you can do uh, 50 minutes of the sales call with me and where I mm. would just um, charge you this much money. And very quickly to realize that everybody wanted that 50 minutes um, and nobody wants to hire me. And I was like, they just, uh, they just, they just go on a like fast track bus and said this, 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 this. And, um, and um, I never got a good workout of it. That's when I had to just say like, yeah, it's, I think all this, I'm just reinventing it. I would just say, this is the price, hire me, see how it goes. And four years down the road, I'm still uh, not sure what is the right model. Am I happy? Yes. Am I right? I don't know. Well, if you're right, you're only right if it's right for you and if it feels right for you. Right. Like if you're happy with uh, charging an hourly price and if that's fair to your customers, in your opinion, then you should keep continue doing that. Right. No. So I, I do other thing, actually. So I this is hourly is a 50-minute thing. But then I have another service, which I call Comprehensive Database Health Check. And that's a fixed mm. price service. But that has a cap on, on, a, on a maximum of work time. So if I solve your problem in 10 minutes, you still pay me the fixed amount. But if it goes till four hours, I will keep on trying. And then after four hours, we'll decide what to do. Do you want to hire me continue? You want some kind of conversation? Or is it like really... My fault, your fault, hardware fault, or something like that. So that is my main business. But yeah, so the 50-minute thing, I just took off the pricing last week. You would not believe on that. Yeah, because, <laughs> yeah, that the reason was that because then people were like, oh, still reaching out to me. And I thought, oh, yeah, 
let me just force people on this comprehensive database performance health check, which requires 40, which requires four hours of maximum effort. That's what I do. I think that's very good to have very clearly defined services like you have, so that people know what to expect and that they also know that they cannot just hire you for, I don't know, 30 hours over three months or something, which means right. it's very difficult for you to plan and to uh, invoice for. And, and, and I used to like the long-term work. Uh, it's just the amount of the time when there is more people want your help. And if you're stuck with one client, and um, then you, then I can't help other people. Well, that's not my motivation. My motivation is that if I can help more and more people, I can be more productive, more revenue generating, and I can support. I have some time for my blog. If I give a 40 hours to a single client, that means I'm overworking to just support my patient. That's the why I like yeah. to keep some hours free every day. And it's all about focus as well, at least for me. As in, if I take on a client, it needs to be a predetermined project right. or problem that I'm working on with a certain outcome, and it has to have an end date. As in, I shouldn't yes. be an interim employee that just works there until until we're done. Right. But it should have a, have a clearly defined end date, because then when that's done, I know I can plan my next thing, like a Pluralsight course or yeah. some other content that I'm creating. And then I can do that full time before I dive into another client. And if you have that focus of being able to work on something full time or at least part of the day, then you actually can get stuff done. And that's a that brings me to a very important point is the, uh, the, the thing which is the modest most to us is a family. Like sometimes family is about kids, sometimes families, wife, sometimes it's a parents, sometimes it's friends, right? That's your family. And if we can't mm -hmm. be just be with them when we really want to be, what's the point of doing all these efforts? And um, I think um, what you just said, that model really works for me. Uh, so I can, uh, I can help my parents, I can help my, my wife and daughter and things. Yeah. So it, there's a time in a day where you can do things for ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Self-care is super important. <laughs> you should definitely take care of yourself as well. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, and I think it's a mental health in this time right now where I don't want to just keep on talking about the, the depressing part, but yeah, the time right now <laughs> where we are recording this, it's in the middle of the uh, biggest thing uh, going on. And uh, I think this is where we need to really take care of our mental health as well. I see a lot of people getting angry lot of clients of mine were so pleasant people when I talk to them right now. I see a little bit, um, yeah, not so, little edge uh, on them. Yeah, I think it's wearing, wearing out on people, absolutely. Yes. Uh, and, and also uh, physically, I think, you know. But uh, an interesting thing, what I see on your website, is that you are also a CrossFit Level 1 and CrossFit Level 2 trainer. Is yes. that correct? That is true, yes. And I did it um, for the... Oh, just so you know, I'm... Um, guys, everybody listening, it's not pointing to anybody. The next two, three statements, you just say, pardon me, I'm apologizing early. I'm a very big guy. I'm a very, very big guy. And um, I... I the, to me, being even CrossFit is not something I dreamt of. I just like people stereotype the big guys. Everybody look at me and said, yeah, you need to focus on your health and this... They, 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 people get confused. Health is different than weight. And I just, uh, I, I see there is a relation, but not always. So that's mm -hmm. when, um, and uh, they look at, uh, one of the things happened to me. It's like, they look at, 
my daughter. So we wanted to teach my daughter gymnastics. So I went actually to gymnastic class and start talking to them. And those guys said, oh, so your daughter is going to learn it? And I was like, what do you mean, actually? Do you think I'm a super big? That's why my daughter can't do it? That really hurt me. This was a very unpleasant conversation. That's why I apologize to everybody who is listening that, that. I'm not stereotyping big or small yet. That's not the goal. I'm telling you my life story and the point. And that's when I decided, you know what, if people are not ready, if people are going to judge my daughter based on my health, let me just prove people other way. And that's when I went and did uh, this CrossFit Level 1 and I got hooked, then CrossFit Level 2. I'm still super mm. big, but I want to say I'm very fit. Yes. And there are very few right. people when I did in a, like when I did a CrossFit Level 2 in India, where I live right now, had very few people even Level 2. Yeah. And now a little more, but yeah, at that time, I think I was one of the unique guys. And so I got even opportunity to travel internationally and train some of the cool people all around the world because I reach out to them and I say, hey, I'm a CrossFit Level 2 trainer and uh, do you want a free training? Or And sometimes people say, oh, yeah. And I think I've trained nearly 10 to 12 countries about CrossFit huh. training now. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, I would really love a training from you <laughs> if we are ever, ever able to meet in person uh, after yes. this COVID stuff. Absolutely. No, yeah. So I had, a, and, I, and I think people are the one of the, one of the one feedback I get it in a CrossFit training. And this is where I'm just going to be bragging about myself because I think I'm so proud. And by the way, my daughter also represents our state in gymnastics. She got training. She did uh, amazing uh, in, um, in uh, gymnastics. So she represents states um, in our country. And yeah, she does very well in gymnastics. So I was able to teach my daughter also a few tricks after doing CrossFit level one and true. And that is where I'm bragging. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> okay, excellent. So let's just call this part one of the podcast. <laughs> oh, sure. Yes. And then let's, uh, let's switch to SQL now sure. a little bit as well. Absolutely. So obviously you are just the SQL authority as far as I know. So how did you even get into SQL? But that's a long story, but I'm going to make it one line. And that's, I think, everybody will relate. <laughs> I got database access when nobody was around to take care of database. I'm accidental DBA like many of you, uh, many people listening, and many people who has access to the SA or, or which called system admin access. So um, I think that's how we got into the um, SQL server. But otherwise, I was just a developer. I used to do HTML, CSS, JavaScript. And I did very well. I was smart there. But that's it. That, that guy, nobody trusted who does um, only three of them. <laughs> people need to know more stuff, right? That's what people say. And I was like, I was happy doing that. And one day uh, I see in the um, in that the SAXS and I was like, oh, can I log into SQL? I logged into SQL. I really like it. It's the way it is. And I, I found it much more relaxing and easier uh, to do things when I see millions of data and I can get the data out in a one line. I was like some, you know, there are people relax on different things. Like people like to see people cutting cake. People like to see uh, <laughs> driving vehicles. There are so many painting. Everybody is a different way to relax. I love when the query returns re data in a split second, even though there is a huge amount of terabytes of data. That's extremely relaxing to me. And that's how I got <laughs> into the SQL server. Oh, that is just, uh, what a wonderful story. 
yeah. SQL can be relaxing, definitely. It, it's not really for me. It's a bit frustrating because I'm just not that good at it. That's okay, what that's, it is, I think. Uh, that's what I felt when I was working with JavaScript. So I'm, I, I'm sure you're good <laughs> at SQL. But when I was working with JavaScript, like not a number, N-A-N. Again, guys, don't get me wrong. JavaScript is great language and I still code on it. But at the time, 10, 12 years ago, that was hard technology. There was no libraries or anything. And there was a new thing called Ajax came in. And that is when I really, I mean, I was not able to keep up uh, with that kind of technology. <laughs> yeah. Well, JavaScript is still painful <laughs> to most people. But uh, hey, most of the, the internet uh, consists out of JavaScript and PHP. So we just have to live with that. And I do use those two language along with MySQL for recording my blog because I do everything myself. Yeah. Ah, oh, excellent. Yeah. Yes. So for SQL Server, what is your favorite tool to work with SQL? Uh, that's an interesting point. There is not much SQL Server. There is not much of the option out there um, mm. <laughs> because you can only use SQL Server Management Studio for most of the thing which you want to get to do. But I think I want to answer your question a little bit different way. Let's not take any company's name and let's think about SQL in a general. So there are so many options out there. A lot of people ask me, do you like SQL Server, MySQL, MariaDB, Postgres, MongoDB? What you like? And the answer, you can say it depends, but that's not what I say to people. I tell very simply people, I said, which technology do you know the most? Which you can get access to it. Start with that because eventually all of them is start going to be the same. The same way you write a join in a MySQL, same way you're going to write in other technology as well. And I yeah. think there is a new tool from Microsoft, which is called Azure Data Studio, which is just mm -hmm. new. It, I don't like the name because it says Azure in the beginning. Nothing against Azure, but it gives you impression. It's only for Azure. It's not for yeah. Azure. Yeah. It's for, you can connect to MySQL and other technologies with that. And I think that has been now my go-to tool when I want to use different um, um, relational database. So um, I had a dream that, you know, there should be one tool where you write something and it will just automatically convert um, to the necessary SQL language. So I told this dream to somebody and the person looked at me, so are you talking about ORMs? I think I had a laugh <laughs> because ORM was invest, uh, invented many years ago. And uh, yeah, that's what they do. And they sometimes write very bad SQL. I think we make yeah. money because um, people don't know how to use ORM. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. Ah, so Data Studio, yeah. I've tried that uh, a year ago or something, and it was really not good back then. It is still so it's struggling, really... yeah. Mm, but it's yeah, getting it's better new. every day. Yeah, it's getting, it's getting better every day, but it is still struggling with some of the little things, which just sometimes annoys us. But like, you know, I was just working with a client, and they were like, oh, let's do it. We need to, we, they took a table, and they said, we need to this table as fast as we can in a MongoDB. Now I look mm. at him and I said, okay, so your table has 3 million rows. Now, programmatically, if we go and generate that JSON, which I can import in a MongoDB, it will take forever. We open AD, uh, this Azure Data Studio, exported the table in a JSON. It took 10 minutes. All data was out. Mm. And in a MongoDB, we were able to import in a two minute. And clients were looking at me because they call their architecture from th that guy still didn't make it to our office by the time we finished the task. So sometimes <laughs> I, I think the, they were thinking it will be a huge project and it was just a 10-minute thing. So I think more than a favorite tool, knowing the right tool, 
um, is the um, key. And I think I stop being, I don't have any favorites anymore. I think I use right, whatever yeah. works. Yeah, I think there is a, we cannot be partial in, in the new technology world. Ah, yeah. It's all SQL in the end, of course. Absolutely. So yes. I use uh, Azure a lot, and then uh, there's the Azure SQL database in Azure, which is right. SQL in the cloud, basically. And yes. that has the automatic tuning feature. And, and that just basically looks at the performance, looks at yes. which queries uh, run slow and which run fast, and then it creates or deletes uh, indexes from that. Right. So if, if I have that, is that good enough? Do, do I need your help? Oh, that's a great question. Let me ask you a question. This is the most po- one of the most popular questions I get it from my client. So I'm going to, and I, instead of answering them, I ask a second mm-hmm. sarcastic question back. And when I ask them, they're looking at me and said, oh, we get it, what do you mean? So here is my question. When you create a duplicate index, does C- why does SQL Server doesn't stop you that you already have an index on the same columns in the same order inside SQL Server. Mm. That's one. Let me ask you a second question. When you create an index with the same name, but different columns inside, why do SQL Server stop you saying there is already index with the same name inside? If SQL Server is more smart and intelligent (laughs) and can do all these things themselves, then why they are not doing such a simple thing themselves? Right. If SQL Server cannot even figure out and tell you there are duplicate indexes in the system already, how would you trust them to just create or drop your existing indexes? Also, so that's a one. Also, there is a major issue with that. And that's why if you go to official documentation, they said you need to be very careful with it. So let me tell you a super interesting one-line technical story because I think we are running a um, lot of the time. So I'll tell you this. The suggestion of creating index, which we get it from SQL Server dynamic management view on premises or on Azure or anywhere has a one biggest problem. The first column of the suggestion will be like if you have a column one, two, and three in your table, if the index mm-hmm. is being suggested on the same column, it will actually suggest in the same order how they are in the table. Oh. Not the way your query want. That is why many times if you go on a stake overflow, people are going to say, I already have an index on the tables. I already have an index on the columns on the table, which Azure Data Studio, Azure suggesting, or SQL Server Management Studio suggesting, even though I create that index, it kept on suggesting, keep on creating. Because there is a, a, a logical disconnection between the suggestion and how it is actually being implemented. Um, I think it's a bad, um, bad way to just follow those suggestions. And if you follow it, you will eventually come to people like me. <laughs> Which is good for business, right? Yes. And I think Microsoft is well aware of it. They have clearly written in a documentation and they mm. um, eventually will even fix this one. I'm so confident, but it's just little away. Uh, I think this is just like a um, little far in the future. So maybe the couple of version, 
they have done a, some amazing good stuff in some of the area like TEMDB improve, improvement. I used to do a lot of work with the TEMDB. Now I tell people, I said, don't do. Microsoft did amazing job. In-memory optimization, they did a really good job with us. So I think mm. one fine day, maybe after a couple of years down the road, um, we'll just say, oh, yeah. You know, remember I talked about the index suggestion? Microsoft nailed it. Yeah, maybe in the future. Yeah, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe they do that with uh, some uh, artificial intelligence or something. I right. could totally imagine that. Yes. So what about including the database in the deployment process? That's always a struggle for uh, for me and for other people as well. As in you deploy your application, but also you need to deploy the updates to your database. Let's say a new column to your table or you drop a table or something. Right. How do you do that? Because when you then deploy it and your deployment goes wrong, you might also need to roll that back. And that's very difficult for data. And that is very difficult dangerous for data. And I think a couple of mm -hmm. things people don't understand. The biggest risk over, this is where you want to deploy, this is where you want to do a little bit more automation. And that is where you want to depend more on a PowerShell kind of automation tool, which is able to little bit more robust to deploy things, DevOps and things. Uh, and that's why a lot of companies are nowadays investing on a DevOps. Only challenge is that there is DevOps become such a hype word that most of the organization with their existing tool, they started to call it DevOps tool. And now we don't know which is good tool and not. That's my struggle with the DevOps. But um, with that said, what your point is very valid. SQL has a problem because it, it, it doesn't support the source control the way it supports in a developer development part. Like you can't do undo the table creation of the one. Hmm. And um, that is where the I think uh, unit testing comes into play. And it's a, such a sad state of unit testing in the SQL world that 99% uh, of the people even won't know what is unit testing. And also SQL is a funny in its own way is that because like like um, like a same SQL which is installed on your dev machine will behave very different from what you want a production because of the setting, configuration, CPU, and even a cache is so different. I mean, I really wish that sometime you can just take a cache and the DMVs and statistics from production and deploy on a dev and say, look, dev, I now have this problem. Let's create against it. But, you know, dev system, staging system, won't report any issue, go on a production and things will start failing. So I don't have a solution to this. I think the deployment is going to stay challenged till there are solid, stable, robust, reliable DevOps uh, product out. Um, right now, only thing I trust is a PowerShell to do some of the deployments. But again, SQL is so funny and so um, so irritating at a point. Like, let me just tell you one of the DevOps tool. One person client sent me, oh, we are going to use this one. Or let's talk about SQL Server Management Studio. You know, have you ever read this one? Oh, if you click OK, it will recreate the table. If you click OK, it will recreate the indexes, right? Those kind of things. We keep on seeing on many of the wizards and things. The challenge is that we just blindly say OK without understanding if you hit OK to creating new index, new statistics, new schema, adding a column, or even table, SQL Server wipe out the cache, complete cache for that object. It can be table, view, and things. So anywhere that table is being used, entire cache is gone. Now, your SQL server start building from the scratch. 
And that can be very, very expensive as, as well. But we just create the index thinking, oh, it's just okay to create index. No, you did something really bad when you create index. <laughs> but um, yeah, people just create index and, 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 and call for the trouble. Same thing like, you know, deployment. When you do deployment, I mean, it's like pretty much restart kind of situation, which I see because you people change 10 things in a one deployment. Yeah. Mm. That, yeah, it, it will probably remain a very difficult uh, task. There are tools out there that you can plug into your DevOps uh, pipelines, but yes. still it's always a struggle. It is a struggle, right. yeah. And many of the DevOps things I see, just to be on a safer side, they just create a brand new object and rename the older one. And that's, mm. uh, they have no idea what they are, how big they are hurting to this, the original system by wiping out all the history and statistics related to performance by just moving the object. Yeah, as long as it works, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, that's, that, yeah. So, yeah, if it's a small database, no problem. It will definitely work. Mm. Yeah, once you go to yeah. terabytes, it will be nightmares. All right, we are coming to the end of this episode. So let me ask you one last question. Right. What do you think is the best feature of SQL Server that people might not know about? The best feature of SQL. Oh, no, no, yeah, sure, sure. The best feature of the SQL, which I see people not even using it, where I see it's one of the very critical one is related to, so when you look at the SQL Server, what is the biggest problem you have? The problem you have with the SQL Server is the performance most of the time. And the performance, which is the fastest resource on your system? CPU is fast? No. Uh, disk is fast? No. But the fastest thing is the memory. The SQL mm. feature, which many people are still not using, is memory optimized tables. This is mm. one of the most underutilized feature I see. And I, even though I preach sometime once in a while, people say, amazing, great, love the demo. But that's it. Yeah, right. they don't use yeah. it. So memory optimized objects or table is one of the most underappreciated, a powerful secret tool out there. And I have a course on that on a plural side. That's great. <laughs> so everybody, if you're not using that yet, go and take the course on plural side and then you know exactly what to do. And then you can optimize the performance of your tables right there. Right, without doing so, much changes. Okay, this was a wonderful conversation. Thank you very much for being on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure is mine as well. And so thank you very much. Do share a link and I would share with everybody. Absolutely. Where can people find you and find out more about you? I think the easiest place is to go on a Google and search for Pinal Dave or SQL Authority. I think um, I'm fortunate. I've been writing so long, so you'll find me on a first page somewhere um, at there. And... Um, I would be happy to connect with you. Penal at SQL Authority is my email address. And um, if you are a local, you may find me in a library once this situation is better. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. And thank you all for listening and see you next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Developer Weekly. Please help me to spread the word by reviewing the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Also, visit www.developerweeklypodcast.com for show notes and the full transcript. And if you like to support me in making the show, please visit my Pluralsight courses and learn something new. 